I don't know about you, but I always like this time of year because you start looking at the places that you used to have flowers and you start to see these little sprouts coming up and some of them even have color on them today. I noticed in our yard and I was like, oh, I'm glad, I am so glad spring is here. Also this time of year, we're reminded of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We're right in the middle of uh, Passover right now, if you look at the timing. And um, can you imagine with me just a short time today, Jesus coming in and the triumphal entry just before all of this happens. The day that they choose the lamb, Jesus is coming in as a king and everybody is praising him, and there is a group of people, because we really can't call them a mob, there's a group of people around him saying, praise Jesus, and it's a wonderful event. And then we run into this week that we have. For Christians, it is a celebration of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but it also is a somber time for us to reflect upon what has happened this last year. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing for me to look at what happened to Jesus that weekend. And we're going to do that just for a short time today in Matthew chapter 26. If you would turn there as we bow our heads. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll be with us as a church family. I pray that you'll be with us as we look at something that is not ordinary. And we try and understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I give you the word mob, it does not conjure up good feelings in you. And I promise you at the end of this, you will have good feelings. What's interesting about the group that was meeting with Jesus as they come into Jerusalem, they were excited. They were excited because there was hope and there was something wonderful about to happen. How many of you have ever been in a group of people and you were anticipating something, maybe New Year or maybe a celebration of some musician that you like, and you're walking toward the event and there's just an air of, woohoo, it's really wonderful. Those are the kind of experiences that all of us like. And the one that I'm going to talk about today is something that for Christians, all of us, especially Seventh-day Adventists, is not just a wonderful event. It's also something that if we look at it, we can look at our own lives and say, you know what? I never want to be involved in a group of people that goes after Jesus the way that this group did. But let me share with you this morning, and we're going to start in, uh, let's see here. We're going to start chapter 26 with verse 1, and then I'm going to skip around a little bit because we're going to cover that in the communion service. When Jesus finished all these words, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court, and the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur around and among the people. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head and reclined, as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and they said, why is, was this wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a great deed to me. For you have always have the poor with you, but you will not always have whom? Me. 
For when she has poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for the burial. It's not a conversation you want to have with your friends. It's like, wait, what? Truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is preached to the whole world, that this woman has done will also be spoken in memory of her. We're doing that today. Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot, when the chief priests went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they weighed out 30 pieces of silver to him, for then it began looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus Christ. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus asking, where do you want us to prepare and eat the Passover? And he said, go to the city and a certain man say to him, the teacher says, my time is near, I am to keep the Passover in your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover. And this is where I'm going to skip a little bit, because we're going to experience in just a bit the communion service. We're going to go to verse 36 next, but I just want you to kind of look at that picture we just read. If you have somebody plotting against you behind closed doors, they've openly addressed you a few times, and you can see them coming a mile away, at least Jesus could. The disciples obviously did not. What would you do? Our carnal intuition is to attack back or to run away and hide. That's typically what we would do. But as we're celebrating this weekend and as Passover is going on, as the Orthodox wait for next week and the Romans this week, they do it, we turn to a short little passage about a group of people that are surrounded, I mean, surrounding the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What would it look like to be surrounding Jesus at this time? Many of us would have expectations like, he's going to become the king. He's going to become wonderful. We followed him. We are the disciples. We are the apostles. Just days before this event, Jesus was teaching. He was preaching. And he was healing Can you imagine what it was like to just experience that? That would be wonderful. It would be awesome. But slowly behind closed doors, whispers started because they wanted to take him out because he represented something that was very uncomfortable for them. And it wasn't just change. It was that he was the Messiah and they had missed him. Only a few people at first, but slowly those that did not like the teacher for this, that, and the other reason got together. They talked, they schemed to get rid of Jesus and his teachings. They should have embraced the Messiah, but now they didn't want change at all. They didn't want it at all. In fact, it got so bad, so bad, that they joined forces with the Romans. They hated the Romans. I don't think you understand how bad they hated them. It was awful. They were tyranny. They were ruling over them. They had people that would try and kill them all the time. They didn't like those Romans. But in the case of Jesus, their hatred got so bad that they killed Jesus and they joined forces. Now, the disciples had planned to protect themselves. And you know Peter? Peter, he was kind of that you know, fisherman guy, but he was more than that. He was one that loved Jesus with a fierce, a fierce behavior. And I'm going through this story really fast. But Jesus 
as he is going to, uh, we're going to read in a minute here, is trying to deal with Judas coming to betray him. Peter says, I'll attack everybody. And he hit one of the servant's ears. His name was Malchus. Poor Malchus. Can you imagine getting your ear chopped off? That wouldn't be real comfortable. But Jesus said, hang on. Reaches down, grabs that ear. I don't know if he brushed it off. That's just my mind. A little OCD, you know. <sighs> Puts it back on. And it's healed like it never came off. Can you imagine the anger and hatred that surrounded Jesus and the love that Jesus exuded through his whole body and even gave to the people that were attacking him? In fact, as Jesus is on the cross, he's counting those close friends. And you know what? There's not many of them. They all ran away. In fact, the ones the day before that had been singing Hosanna and everything else, they were gone. In fact, the mob was chanting, not our king, but Caesar alone. A group of people that were so religious, but now they were looking at Caesar and saying, we'll take him over you. The leaders of Israel, the temple, attacked silently behind doors and with the synergy of the crowds, killed Jesus. Only John, his mother, his aunt, Mary Magdalene, and Mary Cleopas' wife were there. When you are beat down and tempted to retreat or be depressed, Jesus is still there. And he's saying something that kind of blew my mind last week when I was studying this. It wasn't, Father, destroy them all. It was, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Luke 23, 34. Forgive them. Jesus forgave them. Acceptance of his blood for sin frees you to forgive other people. Let's read on. In verse 36 of 26. Then Jesus came to them with a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. The final cup of Passover. Let it pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as your will be done. And he came to the disciples and found them asleep. You know what? I would have been asleep too. I can tell you that I'd be, oh no, I'd be awake. But you know what? I would be asleep too. So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then he went away again the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink of it, your will be done. Again he came and found them asleep, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went his way and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he, gave the then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Get up, let, let's get going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. 
You've spent a number of years with Jesus and with these people here. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas comes. I wonder if Malchus was standing next to Judas. I don't know that. That's extra biblical. But in my creative mind, I'd be like, Malchus was standing right next to him. And you know what? I, I bet Peter lunged for him, was going to take him out. But that's beside the point because what happens next is something so kind from Jesus that I, I can't even imagine it. Because when some people come to attack me, I have three nationalities going, we ruled the world at one time. Selfishness, self-centeredness, ego. But what happens while Jesus is still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, came up accompanied by the large crowd with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and the elders to the people. Now he who is betraying him gave him the sign by saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Get this. The one that's betraying you. Get this. Friend, do what you have come to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who was where Jesus was reached and drew his sword and struck the slave, the high priest, and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place, for all these have to take, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put a, at disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then will scripture be fulfilled, which says that it must happen this way? And at this time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but all this has taken place to fulfill the scripture and the prophets. Then all the disciples left and fled. Then you know the rest of the story. If you don't, please read on this afternoon. Jesus gets sent to this person and this person. They flog him. They put a crown of thorns on him, and eventually he is killed. But Jesus forgave them. I tried to understand this week how we could go from a bunch of people that were following Jesus singing Hosanna to the next you know, chapters that they're trying to kill Jesus, and they're in a big mob. It looked like they were blinded with anger and all kinds of things. I looked through these books this last week, what it means to be mobbed. It's worse than bullying. It's actually trying to take somebody out without killing them, but basically killing them. I tried to understand how good people could become evil so fast. Trying to understand why in the world would this happen. But something came to me as I was reading, and it came from this good book, the Bible. If I be lifted up from earth, I will draw all men to me. You see, all of us, if we act like Jesus, we will do the very same thing with kindness and tenderness. We'll get beat by the people that hate us. And we need to do it because if we don't, they won't see Jesus. And if they don't see Jesus, there is no forgiveness. And if there is no forgiveness, there is no eternity with God and with our friends. In John 12, 32, it says, if I be lifted up from the earth, 
And it was almost a proclamation that this is going to happen. You see, the mob was silent after Jesus died. They went silent, and even the Romans, the toughest group of people, they put them on the entrance, and they sealed the tomb. And guess what happened? When Jesus comes back, all of those tough guys that could have taken out anybody in this little square footage, you would not be able to survive no matter who you are. They were trained killers, assassins. They would have killed you. And when a, one angel showed up, mommy <laughs> passed out. And when his disciples came to the tomb that morning, there was a report of no soldiers. And the stone was rolled away. You see, the crowds went silent. They were no longer angry because they thought that they had had something that they wanted. And then the disciples, the apostles, met in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came. And then they started to preach again. And guess what happened? The mob came back because it was threatened by the message of Jesus Christ. Because a message of forgiveness is something that you cannot control. And something that is not controllable like this could destroy or make a nation. And so the mobs came back. But if you read in the New Testament in Acts, every time a mob came up, so did the angels. And the message spread even faster. So today, as we are looking and we are seeing about the mob that surrounded Jesus, just remember that mob is no longer with us and they are quiet because the message of Jesus Christ has even converted some of them. It's the most wonderful thing. You know, you, we see a podium like this and we hear speakers every weekend and we see that, you know, Jesus is the central theme and that God the Father is a loving God and the Holy Spirit is there for us every moment. But what is most miraculous is it doesn't matter even if there was an angry mob outside here that didn't like us, that the message would still go on. And that is what Easter, the celebration of spring, all of that has to do is rebirth. So I hope today as we do the rest of the communion service that your heart is somehow and your mind is somehow rebirthed today. And that even if you in the past have been angry toward God, that now you'll be converted by him and follow him and preach the message that may even bring a mob. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, I thank you for responding even to Peter and the people with the clubs and the swords that you responded in love. Dear Father, I need to work on that, and I know my friends here do too, because it's easy to just respond. But dear Father, convict our hearts and be in every ounce of us as we teach others about your loving grace and that you love us so much that you sent your son to die, but more importantly, to resurrect, to give us hope. In Jesus' name, amen.